Welcome, I'm Jordan Rich, and this is On Mike with Jordan Rich, a podcast brought to you by The Art of Conversation, and today, no exception. I'm chatting with a young lady who's making a very impressive impact on the music business, particularly down in Nashville. Her name is J.C. Don Valeris, the CEO of Platinum Circle Media. She's an expert in social media marketing, so critical to success in the music business for a whole bunch of Grammy and award-winning artists, such as Colin Ray, T.G. Shepard, Lori Morgan, to name but a few. But J.C. is more than a successful business executive. She's also an accomplished singer and songwriter who grew up in New England and enjoyed a lot of popularity before she developed some serious issues with her voice. It sidelined her from singing for quite a while, so she turned to the back end of the business, to composing and writing and promoting, etc. Happy to say that J.C. is singing again these days, and I wanted to give you a little taste. Here's a song she wrote and recorded with another of our podcast guests and a fine friend, Candy O'Terry. If You Should Lose Your Way. As we turn our lives down this complicated road If you need a hand to hold, I promise you, I will be your friend through whatever life may send, and I know that you will be there too. If I should lose my way. Along this road we share Beautiful song from a beautiful lady. Let's now go on mic with J.C. Don Valeris. Boy, J.C., it's so nice to see you. And has this industry changed probably even in the short time that you've been running it? It sure has. It sure has. And I feel like I've been doing it, you know, all my life, which I, I essentially have. I started singing at age five. And so if you think about the time frame when I began until now, I mean, cassettes were 
the big thing when I was well, five years old. Dating yourself a little bit. <laughs> I am. But... Well, it's true. We've seen remarkable technological changes that uh, nobody really could have predicted way back then. And it's making things so much different for the work you do, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's it's both good and bad. I mean, I, I see the both sides of it, you know, from a a standpoint of making money. I think, you know, it's it's more difficult nowadays because everything is available at the click of a button online for free for most <laughs> most cases. Um, so people aren't selling physical physical albums and you know which is weird actually I, I heard vinyl is coming back next year it's supposed to make a big return look over your shoulder I mean I still have thousands of vinyl albums here because I never wanted to part with them but let's ask a basic question how are musicians able to survive if they're not selling a physical product these days well they have to be very very creative that's for sure uh, I think touring for sure is still the top you know income maker for musicians singers uh Anyone who is involved with the music industry from a standpoint of sound or any of that, touring will always mm. be a thing, I mm -hmm. think. You know, I know there's there's a talk about how, you know, with YouTube and all these kinds of things that touring is going to start going down the drain. But I don't believe that. I, I'm a believer that that will last forever. So I think that's still the top. Well, you're a performer first and foremost, so you understand people still love live they performance. They do. They do. And I mean, even, you know, being on that, the other side of the microphone, I still go to concerts and I still buy tickets to see the people that I love to see. There's something magical about being in the same room as someone you uh, you admire or you love their music or you want to be inspired by. So I think that will never go away. In terms of selling music, uh, digital downloads, of course, do not pay what the sale of a physical CD pays. So... You know, I think that the there's a lot of people doing a lot of good. There's a lot of songwriters who are working very hard to make sure that songwriting royalties remain uh, intact and that the, those rates will even go higher in the future. So I think with with the whole computerized, you know, versions of music these days, it's it's just going to take a little time for for that to kind of work itself out. And eventually, I, I hope that, you know, the, the rates of those things like Spotify streaming and all that stuff will come mm. back up and be able to create a living for songwriters. So, and so there is a lag and there is a, a, a change now in, in terms of compensation since all of this switched over from Absolutely. the standard ASCAP BMI kind of thing to where we are today. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you think about just the simple royalty rate of what a physical CD pays to a songwriter, you know, it's it's uh, nine cents, you know, mm -hmm. right around there. So um, and then when you think about what it is for a stream on Spotify, it's like point zero 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 one or whatever <laughs> it is. I don't know the the exact the exact um, rate right now. But I will tell you when I get my BMI statements and you see all of the downloads and all of the streams and then my total is like five dollars. <laughs> it's right. pretty remarkable because, you know, 10 years ago, if you had a cut with an artist I mean, you were putting down payment on a house, you know, and nowadays you're going to buy a coffee if you're lucky. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it, and it speaks to what you do with Platinum Circle Media because you're representing and helping people, some big names, handle the, the technological advance and, and the trends that we're seeing. And I suppose if you come across a, a new client and that new client isn't social media savvy yet, uh, you've got a lot of work to do for that client. Yeah, and that's the good part about the way that the industry has changed. I think it's it's in the hands of the artist in a lot of ways that it maybe wasn't years ago. 
um, you know, they have the ability to talk to their fans instantly. You know, if they have an album coming out, they put that album up on their website. They put that on their social media accounts and instantly it's in front of the world. You know, whereas, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago when you would release an album, you had a street team of people working as hard as they could to get that in front of faces, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's much easier nowadays um, but with that also comes not making as much money on it's it. It's a double-edged sword. You have a huge potential audience world worldwide, <laughs> but you also have the limits of people not caring because they've got something else on their phone they want to look at. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, one of the, um, the biggest um, – the biggest categories of artists that I work with are classic country artists. And these are people who did not come up in a world of social media. I mean, these are people who have had massive careers in country music and now they're, you know, 60, 70 years old. And I mean, you can imagine how much it's changed just since I've been doing it. How Mm -hmm. much has it changed since they've been doing it? Mm -hmm. So to try to introduce them to a world where now they have to be thinking about taking Instagram photos. It's like, you know, it's crazy. But, you know, I love working with these artists because they're so their work ethic is so strong uh, that they take to to learning these things in a really cool way. You're from New England, but tell us where you're based and why that matters in terms of the work you do. I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, that's the that's the mecca of country music, right? So, yeah, I grew up in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, and I always knew if I want to pursue a career in this industry, I'm going to have to relocate, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I did. I relocated 10 years ago. And it's interesting because if this were 30 or 40 years ago, and it's not, you'd say Detroit, L.A., maybe even New York. But Nashville has become the place to be if you're a songwriter and a producer and so forth. Yeah, and not just country music. I mean, pop music, R&B music, blues, jazz. I mean, there's so many different... Um, there's so many different musicians moving there every single day for different opportunities. Even producers are moving there to work with artists. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. So tell me about your your range of services because obviously you're very savvy when it comes to the, the various social media things. But are you also dealing with the public relations scandalous, nightmarish <laughs> things that can happen on the road to anybody in music? I mean, do you have to deal with, with – burps along the way? That- yes and no. I don't handle the publicity for artists. However, with social media comes some form of publicity because, you know, I'll have an artist who posted something they maybe shouldn't have posted and then right. we have to do a lot of backtracking. Or right. if there's something in the news about an artist, what are fans, fans going to do? They're going to go to their social media page and start writing comments and things like right. that. So it's a constant state of um, managing that kind of thing. Mm. Which is fine, you know, and, and I'm lucky. I do have some really wonderful artists that, that aren't too difficult. But, no, I don't handle the the press releases and handling when, you know. Because that's a whole other ball of wax. Oh, where you, yeah. You, TMZ's calling on line one and right. you've got to feel that and figure out a way to yes. keep the artist uh, on the straight and narrow. I mean, this has been going on since show business began. I mean, people are, you know, doing their thing on stage and doing bad things off stage or the wrong things off stage. So I'm glad that you're not as crazy <laughs> as some people I've talked with who have to deal with that. But let's talk a little bit about songwriting. Uh, you okay. have been a songwriter and you know what the process is like for you. Has the process changed with with new artists today? I mean, are people still writing songs the way you wrote songs, is it still the standard kind of approach to creativity? I think, yes. I think it will always remain the same. You know, artists come to Nashville and they want to write music, so they write about what they know and what they love. And I think that's the best part about country music because it's stories, you know. Mm. So from a country music standpoint, yes. I think the only difference is now 
if you listen to any country radio station, you're hearing instruments that you did not hear maybe right. 10 years ago. Right. And a lot of those are not real instruments. They're beats. They're loops from, um, you know, computerized drum kits and things like that. So it's definitely changed from that standpoint. When you go to a co-write now, oftentimes uh, a producer will actually be in the room and they will have some sort of loop or beat set up and say, this is kind of what we want to write to today. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, it was just a couple of songwriters. and So more committee based? Yes. <laughs> so that they can sell it, quote yeah, unquote? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But country music, I mean, I remember when uh, it was starting to take over uh, the national scene in terms of radio formats. And it's now, I still believe, the number one radio format in the country. But I remember when it sort of leaked into New England, it's cre- it crept in. It did. Uh, this is going back 30 years ago or so. And uh, they really figured it out uh, to go, quote, mainstream. They probably had to make these changes. They had to adjust and, and mm-hmm. keep their basic element right, but still add all these new modern touches. Absolutely. And I think it's funny because I just missed it in New England. It's like I was here writing songs and singing for, you know, 10 years. And then I moved to Nashville. And it was like the minute I moved to Nashville, boom, Boston blew up and we have Loretta's Last Call and all of these places that cater towards country music. And it's fascinating to me because Mm. when I was doing it, I was like the only one. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely just gone crazy. And they've had to to pop, popperize, I guess if you want to call it yeah. any kind of word, country music to fit right. into that, you know, into that mainstream uh, radio. One of your clients is Ricky Skaggs, is that right? He is, yes. Okay, so give, give us an example as to what you do for him on a, on a regular basis. Well, Jeff. I manage all of Ricky's uh, social media accounts. And for those of you who may not know who Ricky is, he's a 15-time Grammy Award winning oh, yeah. bluegrass and country music artist. Um, I manage all of his social media accounts. Um, we handle... His, you know, everything from his Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then, you know, uh, things like if he has a tour coming up, we we work to help get the word out to his fans about that. We always are promoting every tour date that he does, any news um, appearance that he has, any um, media if he's in a magazine or a newspaper, anything like that, we make sure that that's out to the fans in real time. In real so, time. That, absolutely. That means you have a, a, a great capability of monitoring and staying on top of things, something yes. he or anybody on the road doing what they do need help with. For sure. I, it also means I work 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. <laughs> and it's funny because people ask me a lot, you know, well, what are your hours, you know, doing something like for social media? And oftentimes it really is very late at night because if I have an artist that did a show in California, you know, and I'm in Nashville, that show didn't get out until maybe midnight. So right. I've got to stay up and wait because <laughs> oftentimes I'm going to get a photo from that show or a video and I've got to post that in real time because as you know, with social media, 10 minutes after real time mm, is late, you know, exactly. and it's, it's it, you know, it's not um, it's not going to hold. The well, same. it it's, uh, speaks to your dedication and uh, congratulations on, on finding a niche that's really working for you. Well, thank you. In a moment, I want to go back and talk about your career and your work in music. But I have another question. Um, indies as opposed to record companies, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote. What's the ratio roughly? I mean, are more people going the indie route because they can't get through the door in the record companies or what? Yes, I think absolutely. And I think it has to do with money. I think a lot of artists want to or see themselves getting a record deal. And when they realize the amount of money it's going to take once they're signed to that label, 
uh, they realized, let me try to do this on my own. And that's the good thing about where the industry has gone, because an artist really can do it on their own if they have the the knowledge of how the industry mm-hmm. works. And one thing I've, I've worked really hard at doing over the past year and a half is I've developed a YouTube channel geared towards educating young artists on the music industry. And I did this because after I moved to Nashville, um, I started getting a lot of emails and messages from young artists looking to relocate, and they wanted some advice. They wanted to kind of pick my brain on, you know, anything industry related. And I realized how many of them were lacking just the basic knowledge and skills that they really needed to to start a career. It's like, you know, I use the analogy, if you're going to open a restaurant – you know the food industry. You know you have to have a great menu and a great sign in front of your building, and you know you know what your menu items consist of. So, you know these artists are moving to Nashville, and they can't even tell you what BMI is or what a royalty rate is or or any of these things. So, and oftentimes they're wanting to do this on their own as an indie artist. So I've created so your this. YouTube is sort of a boot camp experience it for is. people. It wow. is, and I've tried to great. collect all of the questions that I've been asked over the past 10 years since I've been in Nashville, and I tried to create a video on anything that I think could help them. That, that is an awesome reference. What, how do people find you on YouTube? It's youtube.com slash Valeris. And JC is with J- no E. Right, J-A-C-Y-D-A-W-N-V-A-L-E-R-A-S. <laughs> that is awesome. Let's go back and talk about you, because I alluded to the fact that you're from the Chelmsford area, which is a little north of Boston. And you started singing at a very early age. I want to share a little bit about your performing career? And Sure. Yeah. When I was five years old, my parents took me into Boston to see Sharon, Lois, and Bram, who are children's uh, entertainment Are you group. working with them now? I am. Oh, how Full cool is circle. that? How Full cool circle. Yes. Yeah. So they were my first concert. I loved them. They were the reason that I actually wanted to be in music. When I saw them walk on stage, um, Lois particularly, she had walked out on stage and I remember looking at her saying, this is it. I want to be her. So I went to my kindergarten teacher and I asked her if I could sing a solo at my kindergarten graduation and she said yes. And that was my first performance when I was five years old. Very forward of you. Good. <laughs> was, That's what it takes to oh get on gosh. stage. Right? And I was very introverted too. If you had, I've, I've always been kind of introverted. So for me to do that, it's like, you know how much I loved it and how much I wanted to do it. So that was the start of it. And then as I got older, I started singing country music. Leanne Rhymes was very popular when I was about 13 years old. We were the same age, and she kind of got me into that genre of music. I started singing that. Um, I sang all through high school. And then as right after I graduated, I was supposed to go to college. I was going to be an art major. And I convinced my parents to let me defer from school for a year so that I could pursue music. And I had a a laundry list of the things that I was going to accomplish. And at the end of that year, I had accomplished all of it. So my parents said, well, you know, you've proven you've proven that this is something you can do. Let's (laughs) delve into that list. What were some of the highlights? Oh, my gosh. Well, I wanted to make a certain amount of money singing. You know, I wanted to form a band and, and be working steadily. Um, So I did those things and I wanted to prove to myself that I could actually sustain some sort of career doing that. So um, I made a lot of contacts in that year. And at the end of it, I decided I'm going to actually give this a try. So I had my band together at that point, and we were just performing any place we could possibly perform. We were doing sometimes three to four shows uh, a week in the whole New England area. I mean, I was performing in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, any place that would have me, I would go sing. And, you know, I started making really good money doing it. So I did that for a very long time. And then I had an unfortunate 
thing happened to me where I had a problem with my vocal cords. And so I had to take a year off from singing. And that's when I started songwriting. That you just sort of said that. And I have to follow up because if that had happened to me, and thank God it hasn't happened to me in the work that I do, I don't know how I would react to not be able to do what I love for Mm -hmm. a year uh, emotionally, that had to be challenging. It was very challenging. It was the most difficult thing I've probably ever been through uh, because singing was my identity. It's how I saw myself and how everybody else I thought saw me. So to lose the thing that defines you, that's horrible, you know. But the thing of it was that I knew I had to do something in music mm. because that was all I knew, you know. Mm. I mean, what else was I going to do? Was I going to go to school and become a doctor? No, I had to stick in music somehow. So I started writing songs at that point, and and you don't have to sing to write songs. So I did that, and and looking back, I'm so grateful that happened to me because writing songs is what essentially brought me to Nashville. I would love for you to offer advice to people out there. What you learned from that experience about physically protecting your voice, did, was it simply overuse? Uh, and I believe not, it was. Okay. So what, what would you advise people to think about? I would say to absolutely pay attention to the way that you're feeling because what happened to me was I was performing at outdoor venues very frequently, four-hour sets, singing at the top of my lungs because when you're outside, you can barely hear yourself. You know, sometimes you don't even have a monitor. And I ignored all of the warning signs, mm. which were I had pain in my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't uh, – my stamina was way down. I could barely last, you know, an hour, never mind the four hours I had been been performing. Um, and I ignored it, and I didn't do anything about it for a while because I just thought, oh, it's a cold or something, or it's mm. it'll go away. And also, to go along with that, get a very, very good vocal coach. And that's something that I actually – I never did because when I was first starting out, I was kind of thrown into the thick of performing. It was like, you know, I happened to – like I said, I was one of the only country singers in the area. So I went from like zero to 100 overnight. And it was like all of a sudden I had all these gigs and I didn't right. – I wasn't trained properly. So I think finding a great vocal coach – I have one now. Um, her name is Celia Slattery and I absolutely love working with her. She's in the Boston area actually. And we met um, through uh, Candy Oteri's Boston Women in Media group. Um, and so I've been working with her for the past few months and it has been life-changing because you know, after I lost my voice – it never fully came back to where it was before that happened. And um, I went through a long time of thinking, I'm never going to be able to sing again at all, you know. Um, and Celia has helped me a lot. And we've we've been working really hard on getting that back. So I think vocal health right. is something people need to know a lot about. Well, I can attest to the fact that you can sing and beautifully because Aww. I saw and work with you and Candy, in fact, on a on a wonderful event. And you were out there singing a song. Was that a song you wrote? I forget. It was not. No, it was okay. not. But it was. It's a wonderful duet that we we recently recorded called "If I Should Lose My Way." Right. Right. Um, right. And, and I I have to credit Candy too because she has been an advocate for bringing music back into my life. You know, I took a lot of years off to focus really really hard on my company because. You know, aside from the the singing part of it, the thing I've always loved about the music industry is that kind of behind the scenes stuff and the marketing and promoting and all that. But, uh, you know, singing was always something that was there. And I just kind of pushed it down because it was something that wasn't, you know, wasn't at the place that it had been at one time for me. And, it, you know, I just kind of thought I'm never going to really do this again. And Candy came into my life and really kind of opened up this new this new vision for me that I could still sing. And just because it wasn't the way that it had been years ago or it didn't sound the same or whatever didn't mean that I shouldn't still do it. Right. So 
That's so wonderful. yeah, so we recorded that song together. You, you obviously, you know, you know the craft and you've perfected it over the years and you've had a an issue with your physicality, you had to move away from it. But that must make you a I'm guessing a very good judge of talent. If you're hearing somebody for the first time and they want you to, you know, give them a, an assessment, does is it easier based on what you've been through and your experience to do that? Um, I imagine you're a asked to do that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love working with young artists. I think that I see myself in every single one of them in one way or another, you know. And um, I think that's also the knowledge of working as a performing artist has helped me a lot in my business because I think I can relate to the artists that I am working with from a standpoint of, you know, this is what's going online and in front of the world. And, you know, I'm very particular about what is shared content-wise for my own career. And so working with other artists, I've used all of the those the knowledge that I gained from being a performing artist and I've tried to implement that into, you know, working with them. Can we do a little name dropping? Oh, because boy. you opened for some amazing people. You mentioned Leanne Rhymes, you opened for her. I did. Uh, see, Vince Gill, Darius Rucker, these are just a few, Tanya Tucker and my favorite of all time, Willie Nelson. That must oh. be a kick. Can you tell me a Willie Nelson experience? I did not get to meet Willie at his show. He um, he was not – he. I think he got there late or something, and I wasn't able to meet him. Um, but I do have a Willie Nelson story. I don't know if it's appropriate for your show. It's a show. podcast. We can, we can handle it. I was backstage at an event, and um, I was brought out to his bus with a couple different artists that I was working on, and I had an invite to do – Something that Willie does on that bus. I think I know what you're referring to. It's now legal in Massachusetts, <laughs> it, by the way. Yes, and I, I sadly turned it down. <laughs> I think everyone I know is like, you should have, you should have taken him hey, up on it. Whatever he's doing, he's 85 years old and he's still performing. That's for so sure. That's for sure. It's be, working for must him. Must be something there. But what a what a roster of, and that's that's something that you can be so proud of and look back at and say, wow, it's part of who I am. It'll never go away. It's still there. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, you don't do that as much anymore. For sure. And I mean, looking back, it's like I accomplished so much more than I ever even dreamed I could have accomplished. So it's almost like I had this entire career and I retired from it and then started this new career, which is perfectly fine with me. And mm. they're really I don't have any regrets about things I wish I could have done. You know, I I performed with some of my heroes. I got to. Um, you know, work with so many people that I just never thought I would be able to work with. I sang for the president of the United States. It's I performed at humongous venues. So when I look back at that, yeah, that was really awesome. And thank God I had those years to do that. Which president? Oh, President Clinton. President Clinton. So this was way back in the 90s? I was 16 years old. Oh, my goodness. And was this at the White House? Or? It was not. He made a visit to Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And I was singing with three other girls at the time called Angels Among Us. We were a, a Christian-based group, but we mm -hmm. also did some pop music and things like that. And when um, President Clinton came to Lowell, we were asked to sing the national anthem. So. There's something I, I've been a, in, in a few occasions in the company of like in a crowd with presidents, two or three of them. And it is there's something electric about that. Very electric. That's unbelievable. That, that changes everything when you're a performer. It's like, oh, it, it's one step above anything I've ever done. It sure is. It sure is. Well, yeah, it was great. a phenomenal experience. That's so. great. Uh, so people who are listening to this, and there are people all over the place, uh, platinumcirclemedia.com, if there's a 
performer out there, uh, a wannabe, or somebody who's already established, they should contact you to find out more about what you do and how you can help them. Sure, absolutely. And we do coaching for young artists. I mean, you know, sometimes an artist isn't ready to have somebody manage their social media. So Mm. I offer services from the first day you decide you want to be a singer to, you know, if you have Grammy Awards on your shelf. So which is, is really fun and exciting for me to be able to do that. But um, yeah, PlatinumCircleMedia.com, right. and my contact is on there. Before we let you go, because you haven't looked at your phone once in 20 minutes. I left minutes. it in the other room. Perfect. This is. If your parents blessed you with the name, did they bless you with this name that I'm referring to? Is this your name? JC. JC Don Valeris? It is. It's my real name. You can't make up a name that good. My mother got my first name from the last picture show with Sybil Shepherd. Of course, yes. And my middle name is also the middle name of my godmother. And, and, and Valeris is your married name. It is. My last, my maiden last name is Wolty, which is Finnish. Okay. But J.C. Don, what a great name. I said to my mom, did you know I was going to be a country singer when you had me? Because <laughs> Hi, I'm J.C. Don with my latest single. That's I mean, beautiful. You thank can't you. Do. And I went by J.C. Don my entire professional career. Well, so. you are a, a terrific talent in so many areas and such a delight to get to know and work oh. with. And I'm so glad you decided to, again, put the phone aside so you could uh, focus on this. And you did beautifully. Well, thank it's you. been an honor. Thank you so so much for having me. If I should lose my way along this road, along this road we share, please wait for me. Come one day. If I should What a lovely lady, J.C. Don Valeris, doing so much in the music business, and she still sounds fantastic, as you can hear. I want to thank you so much for subscribing and downloading, for rating and reviewing this podcast, and for turning on your friends and others to what we're doing here. Really appreciate it. You can reach me, Jordan, at chartproductions.com, also at JordanWBZ on Twitter, and our Facebook page is simply The Jordan Rich Show. Special thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for all of his production and technical assistance, and to my pals at Chart Productions in Boston, where we record the podcast. Until next time, this is Jordan saying, be well so you can do good.